Bly and I are going to sing an old song today. It's not a brand new one. I, I may have forgotten. I don't know. I think it was written in 19... Are you ready for this? Yeah, that's what I thought. 1930. It's not a CCM song, obviously, okay? 1930. I've known it for a long time. I haven't heard it for a long time. It's entitled Accepted in the Beloved. But I've thought about it for the last several weeks, almost every single day. In fact, I think I sing it as I walk around. And it comes right out of our messages we've been preaching in Ephesians. So why don't we read? I'd like to start at verse 3 and just go through verse 6. I really would like to keep on reading further, but that's enough. You'll see the name of the song in there. And I hope that as we sing, it'll bring back to you some of these verses because this passage of scripture is all over in that psalm, in that song beginning at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this now, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings, where folks? In heavenly places in Christ, we are seated with the Lord, okay? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Why did he do all this? To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us, together please, accepted in the beloved. What a tremendous thought that as believers now, we are in Christ and we are accepted in the beloved. The beloved accepted am I, risen, ascended, and seated on high, safe from all sin through his infinite grace, with the redeemed ones accorded a place in the beloved. God's marvelous grace caused me to dwell in this wonderful place. God sees my Savior, and then he sees me in the beloved, accepted and free. In the beloved, how safe my retreat. In the beloved, account it complete. Who can condemn me? In him I am free. Savior and keeper, forever is he. In the beloved, God's marvelous grace caused me to dwell in this wonderful place. God sees my Savior, and then he sees me. In the beloved, accepted and free. and girls ages four years old through the fourth grade. You can head out to Children's Church. 
Well, if you didn't close your Bible, you're still in Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Preaching through the book of Ephesians, not going real fast, not trying to just purposely go slow. There is just so much here. In fact, preaching in most of the evening messages on the second coming of Christ, we will do that again tonight, but it will come right out of Ephesians because really the message this morning I think will be a huge encouragement, a challenge, and a blessing to you. It's about God giving us revelation. God giving to us wisdom and prudence. But it really is, it's about two things. God gives us wisdom and prudence. I'll explain what that means in just a moment, okay? He gives gives us that for this life. We might know God's truth right now on earth in this life, and that we might therefore have right attitudes, make right decisions, and live right in our actions, But God doesn't just give us revelation. He doesn't just give us wisdom and prudence so that we can understand how to be saved and how to live our life in this world. He really gives us this this wisdom and prudence. He, He gives us this revelation that we might be able to understand. And here's what ties the whole day together, okay? We might be understand, we might be able to understand the plan of God for all the ages. Because there was a time called the Old Testament, right? Then a time called the Gospels. And then there's the early history of the church and the epistles and the church age. But then what? Well, we've already preached on the rapture. The rapture and then tribulation, the second coming of Christ, and Brother Tillman teaching on Sunday school, the new heaven, the new earth, after the millennial reign and so forth. I mean, so what, what is this all about? What is God's main purpose for all time and for all eternity? We will see that tonight, and it all focuses on, would you believe, it focuses on the second coming of Jesus Christ. So we'll save that for tonight, and today, this morning, just put the focus on God's revelation for us today. Back to Ephesians chapter 1. Please remember the key sentence where it all starts, the longest sentence in the Bible. It starts there in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, here it is, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And in the verses that follow, he lists several, not all, of course, he lists several of those spiritual blessings that we enjoy and therefore people who are in Christ. And it's all for the purpose of the praise of the glory of God. We've seen those things by way of introduction in previous messages. So we have some key words. We've already studied the subject here of election from verse 4. And then we studied pro, uh, not procrastination. Yeah, pre-des- big difference there, procrastination. We didn't study procrastination. That's the motto of a lot of people, by the way. Okay, that's their favorite word. Predestination, verses 5 and 6. Then we looked at adoption was another key word. We're in the family of God. That also is in verse 5. Last week, serving of the Lord's Supper, we looked at two more blessings. We looked at the words redemption and the word remission, which is forgiveness. Today we want to look at spiritual blessing number six. And what a blessing it is. It is the blessing of having true wisdom and true prudence. The word in our outline has to end with a shun, so the word is revelation. You say, why revelation? What does that have to do with wisdom and prudence? Because whatever wisdom we have, whatever prudence we have, 
It always and only comes because it is revealed, something is revealed to us by God's Holy Spirit. If it weren't for God's revelation, God's revealing this has nothing to do with the last book of the Bible, except what we're going to talk about tonight, okay? And that's Jesus Christ revealed. But as far as our subject of revelation goes, it's all about the fact that God has chosen to reveal some things to his own people, to Christians. And he tells us in this passage, the main two things that God has chosen to reveal to us are wisdom and prudence. So please, let's pick up our reading now at verse 5, and we'll go from there. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us believers accepted in the beloved Jesus Christ. In whom? Jesus Christ. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath, here's our text now for today, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his own pleasure, his own good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in him. So mainly verses 9 and 10 this evening, and we'll stick pretty much to verse 8 this morning because there's some things that lead into verse 8 that are a part of verse 8, all right? So verse 8, please, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So what is wisdom? Let's define, first of all, wisdom and prudence, okay? Wisdom. I think probably many of you know the Greek word. It's not that important to us today, but just I'm just curious. How many of you know the Greek word for wisdom? Would you raise your hand? Three. Sophia. Say, well, that's my friend, Sophia. Okay. So then she's a very wise person by definition, all right? The Greek word for, for wisdom is Sophia. And really, it's a, it was a very great and important word in, at the time of the writing of this. In Greek culture, I mean, Sophia was one of their key words. It was one of their most important words. And it really didn't mean the same to them just in the secular world as it would mean to us as believers. And I'll explain that in just a moment. Because to the Greeks now, this word Sophia was a very broad word. It included a lot of things. For example, it included a variety of special things. And they're thinking like, like, like the spirit of cleverness, how to be clever. It was a word that, that, that had to do with skill, special skills, uh, exceptional judgment, uh, deep learning. And it even went further. It went to the understanding of speculative things and mathematical skills and, of course, Greek philosophy. I mean, that's just a few things. It was a very broad but very important word to them, and it included so many different areas. Now, what about the Christian? When you think of wisdom in the Bible, you think of wisdom for a Christian. When a, wisdom, when a Christian thinks of wisdom as a spiritual blessing from God, here's what he should think. He should be thinking of mental excellence in the highest and fullest sense. In other words, could we summarize it? Spiritual knowledge. And I think when we just say that to a Christian, biblically, wisdom is summarized in spiritual knowledge. You don't have to say amen because it's a sad thing. But I think you would agree that in the world today, basically speaking, there is a dearth of wisdom. Would you agree with that? There's a lack of spiritual knowledge. And how sad because people don't understand it, but it shows that there is a lack of, there's a lack of wisdom that is available that what God wants to give to us. 
Wisdom in scripture especially emphasizes the understanding of some really important things like life and death. These are broad terms. You could preach a message on all of these as it has to do with real wisdom. Life and death. What does the Bible say about the subject of God and man? Boy, that's pretty broad but pretty important, isn't it? God and man. Theology, anthropology, the study of God, the study of man. It's all about wisdom. Wisdom, we should be thinking of subjects like righteousness and sin. Heaven and hell. What a contrast. Heaven and hell. Eternity and time. It's all a part of God's plan. It's all a part of who God is. It's all a part of God's truth. And by the way, God, listen now, God is the source of all wisdom. Can you say amen to that? All true wisdom, spiritual wisdom, God is the source of all true wisdom. And by the way, Jesus Christ is literally wisdom personified. You say, well, I'd like to know, how can I really see wisdom? What is wisdom really like? How can we identify a person that is truly a wise person? We can say, now there is a wise person. Or in contrast to that, oh, what a foolish person. So ignorant, so naive, so doesn't get it. I just want to have a picture of true wisdom. Okay, I'll tell you what you do. Get out your Bible and turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And just be thinking of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will see wisdom in a human body because he is absolute wisdom. God is the source of wisdom. Wisdom is personified in Jesus Christ. So by the way, if that's true and it is true, then the more wisdom as believer now, as a Christian, the more wisdom I get, the more wisdom you get, the more wisdom a believer gets, the more we will be Christ-like, who is all wisdom. Somebody says, well, I just want to be like Jesus. And there's so many songs written about being like Jesus. I love Be Like Jesus, this my song, in the home and in the throng. Be like Jesus all day long. I would be like Jesus. All of us as believers should want to be Christ-like, amen? We should want to be like the Lord. Well, Jesus Christ is wisdom. So as God reveals wisdom, his wisdom in his word to me, the more I get of God's wisdom, the more I will become Christ-like, which should be one of the main goals and desires of every single Christian. By the way, wisdom is more than knowledge. Some say that you can define wisdom. I'm not sure I fully agree with this, but I, I do. There, this is true. Some say that you can define wisdom by saying that wisdom is knowledge applied. In other words, it's being able to use knowledge to the best ends. So it's not just fact. When you think of wisdom, don't just think of facts. Things that we can learn intellectually. But it is God's truth. It is, it is God's divine truth. But it is more than facts, just getting smarter and smarter and smarter. Along with that, it's like, how does this knowledge, how does this godly, divine given, this revealed Truth of God, God's knowledge. How does that become a part of our lives? How do we use that in practical daily living? And that really kind of leads into our next word because God has given us wisdom and prudence. What is prudence? You say, well, it must be something. It's totally different than wisdom, but they work together. Prudence means literally moral insight. 
I mean, put those two words. It's moral, it's insight. So it's perception of things, but it's things having to do with morals. I don't mean just uh, physical morality or immorality. I'm not just talking about that. Anything that's right or wrong. And that's why a key word to help us understand uh, prudence would be the word um, dis uh, discernment. The conception of things. Moral insight. The word comes from another Greek word meaning. Now, now this, is, this is not real short, okay, but this is right out of the concordance again. In fact, I've even, I've even left off some little pieces to help it make more sense. But if I just read this to you, you will understand. I think you'll get better. I put it all together and you say, yeah, you know what? That makes sense now because when I hear that, when I just read here, wherein he has bounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Prudence, what does that mean? And you tend to think of that in our culture. You think of prudence in our society. If you just got out an English dictionary and look up the word prudence, it's like, okay, it, it'll make some sense to you because that is what prudence is in our thinking. But now scripturally, in the Greek word prudence, when it says here that God has abounded to us in all prudence, then it becomes important. Okay, what do we mean now scripturally, spiritually by this word prudence? So I'll kind of read it all and you'll say, yeah, now it begins to make sense. Here we go. The word comes from another Greek word, which means to exercise the mind. That is to entertain or have a sentiment or opinion. By, imp by implication, to be mentally disposed earnestly in a certain direction. To be intensely or to interest oneself with concern that leads to obedience. Sometimes, by the way, this Greek word prudence in the Bible is translated in two other ways. To set your affection on. Is that, where's that? Colossians 3, one remember? If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on. Can you finish it? Yes, set your affection on things above. Set your interest on things above. Be inclined towards spiritual things. Be interested in spiritual things. Set your interest, your affections, your loves. Put your focus on spiritual things. That's that word prudence here. To set your affection on. Sometimes, another time, a couple of times, it's translated to be of the same mind. To be of the same mind. Especially to be of the same mind as God. That's really spiritual prudence. So let me just kind of give you a few other thoughts, kind of add to this. And I think you'll get the idea of how important this is. Because when you just read, God hath abounded to us in all wisdom and prudence, you think, okay, so what's the big deal about that? That is really, really important. It's all about practical Christian living, living by the word of God, living as God reveals his truth to us. So prudence basically can be summarized as using good judgment. Somebody says, yeah, you know, one thing about that person, he really has good judgment. He really uses good judgment. You know what that means? He's got some God-given prudence. It's right thinking that leads to right decisions and right actions. Oh, I just cannot tell you how many times, even within the last week, I got a phone call just yesterday from another pastor concerned about something, and he's talking with me, and it's like all about how could this person do, how could, how could this person be doing something so wrong, so terrible, so against the word? Actions are so bad. How can it be in light of all that they profess? Well, the answer is they're not using good judgment. Why not? Because they're not using good discernment. Why not? Because they're, they're not a prudent person. They're not, they don't have good judgment right now. Something is sadly missing. Because that's what prudence is all about, using good judgment. Right thinking that leads to right decisions and actions. 
prudence in Scripture always emphasize practical understanding. It's the comprehension of needs. It's the comprehension of problems. It's the comprehension of principles for everyday living. In other words, it is spiritual. I like this. It is spiritual insight in handling daily affairs. And God gives that to us. See, that's the importance now of seeing the message this morning in wisdom and prudence. And then what else? Why does God reveal all this to us so that as we live our daily lives according to the will of God as a wise, prudent believer... We can say as a testimony, I am what I am by the grace of God because God is giving me this spiritual insight. God is helping to be, me to be a, a discerning Christian, a one who makes right decisions and therefore has some right actions because God is revealing things and working in my life. So to God be the glory because it's God who gives us this prudence by revelation. Somebody said, prudence for the believer is having true spiritual insight and discernment. We've pretty much covered that already. So let's summarize. Wisdom and prudence combined. Put it all together. Knowing God's truth about anything and thinking, deciding, and acting according to it. So there's that knowing part that's mainly the wisdom part. And then there's the thinking and the action. So put them together. God has given to us wisdom and prudence. Wisdom and prudence combined. Knowing God's truth about anything. Knowing God's truth about everything. And deciding and acting upon it. So in my notes, I wrote summary. You see, you already said summary. Another summary. Final summary before we go to the next point. God not only, and this is in the whole passage. Listen now. This is so wonderful. God not only redeems us. We studied that last week. God, God not only forgives all of our sins, we studied that last week. So we have redemption, we have remission. We have salvation from sin, from judgment, from hell. But also, now listen, God gives to a believer when he saves us everything necessary for us to think right and do right while we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth on our way to heaven. And you say, well, pastor, then again, why is that so important? None of us have any idea what we would be like if we didn't have this. I mention this often in messages because it's on my, life, it's on my mind and, and heart a lot. Take away whatever wisdom I have from God. Take away whatever discernment, insight, judgment, perception of things, prudence. Take it all away. What in the world would this guy be like right now? See, we are, Paul said, I am, I, am, I am what I am by the grace of God. He said that in 1 Corinthians 15, after he says, I don't know why God would ever save me. It's like, I'm, it's like I'm one born out of due time, he says, that God, the resurrected Jesus Christ, would appear to me. I mean, I can see why he appeared to Peter, he appeared to John, he appeared to like over 500 brethren at one time, you know, all the disciples and these godly women. Paul says, I can see why God would reveal himself, why Jesus would reveal himself to them when he rose again. But why in the world would God choose to reveal himself to me? Why would the living Christ reveal himself to Paul? He said, I'm the, I'm the chief of sinners. I persecuted believers. I killed people. I'm a murderer. On the way to hell. But God saved me and changed my life because he revealed his son to me. And everything we see good 
about the Apostle Paul in the Word of God, it's only and always because whatever wisdom and prudence he had, he got it from God. And who in the world knows what Paul would have been like if he never got it? Amen? You say, oh, that's Paul. Who knows what I'd be like? Who knows what you would be like? What in the world would we be doing? Today? What would we be thinking? Where would we be? I have no clue. But I say again, whatever wisdom and spiritual discernment or insight I have today, whatever you have today, you better thank God that it is one of the great spiritual blessings that come to God's people who are in Christ Jesus. Now, our next question today is this. First of all, what do these words mean? Now, secondly, where does the spiritual wisdom and prudence come from? And what is it linked with? Where does this come from? Well, the answer is found in considering the very first word of the verse. Out loud, please. What's the first word of verse 8? Together? Wherein? You say, why is that important? Because God tells us now, that we have this wisdom, we have this prudence, this, this revelation from God because it's linked with something else. It's really in something else. It's really the result of something else. So you got to read the verse before it. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Whose blood? Jesus Christ's blood. What do we have because of this redemption? We have the forgiveness of sins. Well, what is our redemption and what is our forgiveness? Where does that come from? Oh, he says, that's all according to the riches of his grace, wherein, in this abundant grace, in this riches of grace, God gives to us wisdom and prudence. So the answer as to the question of where does, where does this wisdom and prudence come from? What's that linked with? The answer is obviously it's, the, it's the, the riches of God's grace. Well, what is grace? Grace is undeserved favor. So this speaks of God's great kindness to us. And as we look at our verse now, verse 8, you're going to see two really important things about the wonderful, marvelous grace of God that as a result of God's grace, we have God's wisdom and prudence. Two things. Number one, first of all, he says God doesn't give wisdom and spiritual insight out of his grace. He gives those things according to the riches of his grace. Look at it again, please. Verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He doesn't say out of the riches of his grace where he bound to us. He says according to the riches of his grace. You say, Pastor, what's the big deal about the difference of out of his grace or according to his grace? It's a big deal. Maybe a simple illustration, okay? Let's say that you decided that Harvest Hills Baptist Church needs some more money. Got this great financial problem, or if we didn't have a financial problem, we could just do this if we had this money. Now, God has blessed our church financially, amen, has he? It's just amazing what God, how God has blessed this little church all these years. People come in here and walk around, and they, they see all this, and they say, whoa, and then sooner or later, if he's a pastor and evangelist, he usually says, so how much do you still owe on all this? And I can answer, don't ask me where it ever came from, but God. But when we, when we added this all, when all this was added, what, 19, what, 2010, I think it was, whatever was completed, okay, to think a million and a quarter, and when it was all done, this church, it didn't even owe a penny. Would you like to figure that out? You say, well, pastor, you know why. I have no clue where most of it came from. God giving through his people. So God has taken care of this church. 
God has blessed this church. We just had our annual business meeting. God provided for this church in a wonderful way last year. Amen? And God continues to bless us, for which we are grateful. I thank him every day. It doesn't mean we don't have any needs or wants. I mean, I think of this just about every time, not every time, but almost every time I drive in a parking lot. And I see part of the old parking lot we've never, we, we just couldn't finish. That's a lot of money. But it'd be nice, wouldn't it be nice to have it all? I just parked, instead of parking where I usually park, I parked over here by the van this morning. Kind of like you need an elevator to get up that extra level, you know? Exaggerate, of course, but you know, you got to go up another level. I said, well, it'd be nice to have all this be the same level, not have all those cracks and holes and rocks coming out here and there, you know? Hey, so somebody says, you know what? I have a burden for the church. I like to see. I'll tell you, I've got a friend who's a multimillionaire. I'm not saying I do, maybe you do, okay? I've got a friend, you see, who's a multimillionaire. I think I'm going to go to him and I'm going to tell him about our church and see if he might like to make a contribution. I don't know what it costs to finish the parking lot. I'm just going to guess, 100000 bucks maybe. So he goes to this multimillion-dollar friend of his and he says, you know, we've got a wonderful church. God's taking care of us, but we've got some things that we're concerned about. Would you like to make a contribution? And your friend with multimillions of dollars, he says, I'd be glad to do that. I'd really be happy to do that. And he writes out a check, Harvest Hills Baptist Church, February 10, Harvest Hills Baptist Church, paid to the order of $25. He signs his name. Now, what did he do? What is he doing? He is giving out of his riches. You follow me? He is giving out of his riches. Hey, listen. Anybody and everybody here, probably, including somebody's children, they could probably give a gift of 25 bucks, amen? We don't have any multi-million dollars here, friends here that I know of. So, I mean, anybody could write a check for 25 bucks. So here's this multi-millionaire. He writes a check for 25 bucks. He's giving out of his riches. Let's say instead of writing a check for $25, let's say he writes a check for, does this sound better? $100,000. So you go to your friend, you tell him he's a need here, you know, just want you to pray about this. He says, oh, ain't no problem. Grabs his checkbook, Harvest Hills Baptist Church, February 10, 2021. You know, he's got to have a few days to think about this before the 10th comes. You know, I'm not losing my mind. I'm just kind of saying it's going to happen next week or in the next week. Okay, so he writes out this check here, you know, and there, you, when you look at it, it's like, whoa, it says 100, paid to Harvest Hills Baptist Church, $100,000. And there's a signature. You say, well, I hope he's got that much in the bank. No, no, he doesn't have just 100000 in the bank. He's got millions in the bank. Now, he's not giving out of his riches. Now, he's giving what you tell me. He's giving according to his riches. So, the key word there becomes proportionate. So, when the Bible tells us here that God gives us out of the, or not out of, I almost do, out of, uh, according to the riches of his grace, what he's saying is, God's got plenty of wisdom to give us. God has plenty of prudence to give us. He has, he has anything and everything. Hey, remember the verse of Philippians 4? I think I quoted early in the, early in the service, didn't I? Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply, you read, quote it with me. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Say, Paul says to the Philippians, listen, you've taken care of me. God's going to provide for you. God will supply all your needs because he's got it to give. He will supply all your needs, not out of. No, no. He will supply all your needs according to all of his riches. And he does the same thing here in Ephesians. So where do we get this, this wisdom? Where do we get this spiritual insight, prudence? 
It all comes as a gift from God. It comes as a revelation from God. And it's all according to God's grace. It's a wonderful thing. And by the way, because God has it all to give and because we need a lot. Look at the next phrase. Wherein he hath, verse 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Wherein he hath abounded toward us, what? Wherein he hath, he hath what? Look at the word. Wherein he hath abounded toward us. God has abounded. He doesn't just give us prudence and wisdom. He abounds toward us because of his grace. What does abound mean? You know what abound means. To superabound in quantity or quality. To be in excess. To excel. To have more than needed. To be in abundance. More than enough. Enough with more to spare. Superfluity. To exceed over and above. And do you get the idea? There's a lot of ways to define abound. But basically it's like more than enough. Plenty with extra to spare. And this is a huge blessing to think that God, according to the riches of his grace, as a spiritual blessing that we get because of being in Christ Jesus, God abounds toward us and he gives us abounding wisdom and abounding prudence. It's a wonderful truth. Why? Because there's more than enough available. So you know what the question is? How much do we want? That's a really good question. My, you know this. My heart has never, ever quit loving, especially young people. I'm not a youth pastor anymore, as you know. But I've told you before, and I'll say it again. My favorite hour of every day is from 10 o'clock to 10.50. When I get to teach for five days, I get to teach junior high and senior high young people the word of God. That is the highlight. It may not be the highlight of the students, although many of their parents have called and told me, thank you very much. My son loves your class. My daughter appreciates so much. It's meant a lot to me. It's encouraged me, okay? But I get to teach the Bible, the word of God, to young people. And I wish I didn't have to say this, but not all of them are eager to receive it. They act like they are. I don't have anybody in my class who sits there and looks like, oh, I can't believe this. This is crazy. I don't have anybody who raises my hand and says, I don't think I agree with that, Pastor Carson. They better not say it, okay? Tell me, talk to me after class, okay? But people aren't sitting there like they're bored. They're not sitting there like, I don't want this. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care about this. I mean, they really do. Now, their quizzes and tests don't always show that they were as learning as much as I thought they were when they were looking at me. But, I, but I, I'm aware, I realize more and more, listen, and what's true of teenagers is true of you too, mom and dad. Not everyone really wants any more Bible wisdom. Not everybody out there is begging for more spiritual insight and discernment. Some show it, some don't show it. But it shows by the attitudes and actions of lives that they're really not too interested in God's wisdom and God's prudence. But I'm telling you, it is a very special spiritual blessings. And it comes to us from God's grace, but not just from or out of his grace. It comes out of his grace, and therefore it abounds. The question is, do we want it? How much do we care? And when you think about this world and culture and society today and where it seems like things are going, I would think every 
true believer would be absolutely hungry and thirsting for wisdom from God and spiritual discernment. Wouldn't you? And it abounds to us. It's available. Think of it and rejoice. And so finally we close this morning with this last question. Then if it's linked with God's amazing grace, and we can get it abounding because of God's abounding grace, then then if we're really interested, how are we going to get it? Where does it come from? And the answer is pretty simple. Listen carefully. If I ever get any spiritual wisdom, if I ever get any spiritual discernment, it always and only comes by the Holy Spirit through, you finish it, through the Word of God. That's how you get it. It comes by the Holy Spirit. It comes through. The, I love I love uh, James 1.5. It doesn't say anything about the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say anything about the Bible, but oh, it's in there. Listen, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with a wind and tossed. Oh, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So God says, you want wisdom? You know you need wisdom? Ask for it. Okay, so we ask for it. Question, how's God going to give it to us? You know how he's going to give it to us? It's going to come through here. It's going to come through the Holy Spirit directing us to the word of God. That's where, there's no shortcuts. And so whatever time we have left before we got to go, would you go please first to John 14? John 14. There are three key passages in Scripture. We may not have time for all three, but I at least want to make sure we get the first two. John 14. Jesus now is getting close to his time to be crucified. He's meeting with his disciples. He's giving them some very important information because what he says is, look, it's not going to be long and I'm going to be gone. You're going to be confused. You're going to be frustrated. You're going, to, you're going to have more questions going through your mind than you know what to do with. And you're going to want some answers. Because I'm not going to be here with you. But he said, guess what? This is amazing. He said, you know what? It's really expedient for you. It's for your benefit. It's profitable for you, in fact, that I go away. Because he says, if I don't go away, who's not going to come? You tell me. The Holy Spirit. If I go not away, the Spirit's not going to come. He's the comforter. He's the one called alongside to help you. And he can be with you all of the time. And he can be with every one of you. And he can be with you wherever you are. Because while I'm here, I'm just one place at a time with you. A person or a group at a time. He said, when I go to heaven, something's going to change after I go to heaven. And we know it's all about Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came to indwell Christians. He said, listen... He becomes very important. Watch this. John 14, beginning at verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Really? Why do we need him? Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he right now, he dwells with you and shall be what? In you. Oh, same chapter, look at verses 25 and 26. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send 
in my name, what's he going to do? He will teach you all things. And he will bring all things to remembrance whatsoever what? I have told you. So the Holy Spirit directs us, leads us, helps us remember some things. Remember what? What Jesus Christ said specifically, he told us, he helps us remember what the word of God says. Oh, same book. Let's go please to chapter 15. Look at verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. For you also shall bear witness, because you've been with me from the beginning. One more in John here. Go to chapter 16. Look at verses 12 through 15. And think now what we're reading. This is Jesus' words to his disciples, and it applies to us now. He said, I have, many, yet, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Summary, he, the Holy Spirit, shall glorify me. How's he going to do that? For he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and he will show it unto you. Any revelation we have, any understanding of God's divine wisdom and spiritual insight, discernment, prudence, it always comes through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And now please go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Well, look at this as our last passage, please. I think you'll see why. Think of the whole message. I know you don't have it all memorized. Try to remember what you've heard this morning from the beginning of the message till right now. Say, God has chosen to give to every believer for the praise of his glory according to the riches of his grace He's chosen to give us all these spiritual blessings, including the special blessing of revealing to us God's truth so we can have the wisdom and prudence we need in our lives. How do we get it if we want it? The Holy Spirit through the word of God. 1 Corinthians 2, beginning at verse 6. I'll tell you what. Do you have a pen handy? If you want to do something interesting, circle every time you hear the word wisdom. Just circle it, okay? And get the message. Start at verse 1. Verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Man's wisdom, worldly wisdom. Declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling for my speech and, and, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of two words, please. Man's wisdom, there's this thing called man's wisdom. Yeah, it's all over the place. You can go to University of Oklahoma, you can go to Oklahoma State, you can go to University of Tulsa, you can go to University of Michigan, you can go to Notre Dame. Go wherever you want to go, there's a lot of smart professors that have a lot of man's wisdom. Would you agree? He said, my preaching didn't come from man's wisdom, but it came in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Why? That your faith should not stand in the, together, the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak, there is again wisdom, 
We speak wisdom among them that are perfect or spiritually mature. Yet not the, here's the key phrase, out loud please, not the. Yes, because the wisdom of man is the wisdom of the world. That's why the world makes basically such foolish decisions and believes such stupid things and does so many terrible things. Because they all, as unsaved people, live according to the wisdom of men, which is usually backwards regarding the wisdom of God, totally contrast to the wisdom of God. And it's the wisdom of the world. It makes good sense to the world, but it makes no sense to the believer who goes by the word of God. Amen? Are you with me? Watch this. Howbeit we speak wisdom among you that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, which are come to naught. For we speak, oh, in contrast to the wisdom of man, in contrast to the wisdom of the world, Paul says, we speak the wisdom of God. Oh, is this going to time with tonight's message? We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom. Oh, hidden wisdom? Yeah, hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew it, for if they would have known it, you know what? They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Oh, here comes the key now, beginning at verse 9. I read everything I read to get us to verse 9. Watch this. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And if you're awake now, and if you've been here a while, almost every single time I read that verse, when I preach, I say, that has to be one of the most misunderstood verses in all the Bible. Why? Because people say, yeah, you know, while we're on the earth, we can't understand too much, but I'll tell you, one day, we're going to leave this earth, we're going to cross the river Jordan, we're going we're to go to heaven, and in heaven, we're going to understand everything. We're going to know everything. The things we can't understand now, the things that don't make any sense now, the things that we're kind of confused about, frustrated about, nobody seems to know. No. But when we get to heaven, we're going to have it all figured out. Now listen, we're going to know a whole lot more in heaven than we know now. Would you say amen to that? But that's not what this verse says. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed to us. Look at that now. But God hath already revealed them unto us by his, next word, spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. You see what he does here, he takes the spirit of God, and, he, and it's in that same thing, with, it's in contrast to the spirit of man. And the wisdom of man, the spirit of God, the wisdom of God, it's all in contrast to the wisdom of the world. And so he says in verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. This is believers now. This has nothing to do with unsaved people. Why? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. What is that? I wrote my Bible, Ephesians 1, 8 through 10. God has given to us his spirit. Unsaved people don't have any idea about this. All they have is the wisdom of man. All they have is the wisdom of the world. But God has given to Christians the spirit that we can, by God's spirit, understand the word of God. And that's why, by the way, verses 12 and 13 are two of the most important verses in all the Bible on the doctrine of the inspiration of the scripture. Look at verse 13. Read them together. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But in contrast, here it is, the natural man, out loud, who's the natural man? 
That's the unsaved man. That's the lost. This is the person who's never been saved. Doesn't have a Holy Spirit. But in contrast to this, the natural man, the unsaved man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Read the next two verses and we're done. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. What's that all about? Hey, that's all wisdom and prudence. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? That he may instruct him. And look at the last phrase. Look how it ends. But we have the mind of Christ. Wow. The wisdom of man. The wisdom of the world. How people who are unsaved perceive things. How they comprehend things. What they're interested in. What are their desires? All these things that are become that become a part of their decisions followed by their actions. And if they're not saved, it has nothing to do with God's wisdom and God's divine discernment. But we as believers, we have the privilege of having those two things. Wherein God hath abounded to us according to the riches of his grace. He has abounded to us in all wisdom and prudence. Bow your heads, please, if you would. I hope that makes sense to you. It is so key. It is so important. For practical, everyday living by the power of God's Spirit as we seek to continue to learn the Word of God and live it in our lives. Wow. So how you doing? How much of God's wisdom do you want? How much of God's discernment and prudence do you want? Are you aware of your need of it? Are you aware that there's a lack there? Is it something that you want to be thirsty for, hungry for? Because I'll tell you what, if you do, personal daily devotions become a huge huge blessing not something you don't have time for not something you're not interested in not something you're too busy for and little things like going to Sunday school coming to church having your Bible open mind eager heart to receive God's truth become really really important they really do taking advantage of every opportunity for God's Spirit who lives within us to teach us some more from the Scriptures that we might have God's wisdom and God's prudence. Father, I pray that you would use the Word today in our lives, that it might make a difference in our thoughts, our attitudes, our desires, our decisions, and all of our activities how we thank and praise you for this spiritual blessing of divine revelation. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me please today?